When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Let's Go Ricky Roll podcast. I'm your host, Beth Duran, alongside the, the man named after Ricky Romero. Uh, no Josh Tolley today. He's handling business on the farm in upstate New York. Uh, we miss him. He did text us, though, uh, and he let us know. I'm sorry, guys, I can't be there today. So, you know, totally brings that different attitude, that vibe. Now I understand what you guys talk about, Ricky, when uh, different guests come on and they talk about what Tolley does in the clubhouse. Because when he's not here, you feel that little void with him. Yeah, no, yeah, you definitely feel it. Um, but again, he's out there handling some business, and uh, hopefully, he's making big bucks or something. Hopefully, it's not a meeting where he got in trouble or something. But no, yeah. in all seriousness, yeah, no, we we've said it all along. Josh is is the life of the of the party. He always has been, and uh, is the reason why he's on this podcast. He just brings a different flavor. Yeah, without a doubt. Now you've been busy. Okay, I I was a uh, what do I do? I've been busy too, but you were busy. You've been doing a podcast machine, man. I heard you on Avery Sports Show, our good friend in Canada. Uh, Avery does a good job with that podcast, and you guys were going back and forth with him, and uh, that was cool. And then you do your other podcast on The Athletic, which is all Blue Jays one. You are now a media machine, Ricardo Romero. Like, what happened to you? <laughs> nah, man. <laughs> well, nah, it's... it's well, I, I did that podcast. He reached out to me on on social media. Listen, I I get a Super lot nice of requests. Some, Super. I, nice I get a lot. I got a lot of requests on Twitter um, about about doing podcasts and this and and this and that. And uh, I jumped on this opportunity. I figured I I I sometimes don't respond or um, you know I just I get a lot, so it's it's kind of hard to keep up. And uh, I saw this one and had a little bit of time and uh, and I and I locked it in. We locked in a date and it was a good chat. Yeah, we talked about the Toronto Blue Jays, about a little bit about the glory days, about about the current team. And uh, it was it was a really good episode. And then, uh, yeah, the athletic, obviously, that's been uh, that's been really fun, man. I, I, I didn't realize how fun it is uh, to actually just talk about a team and the team that I watched the most in, in the Toronto Blue Jays here at home. And uh yeah, you just find yourself talking about uh, baseball and baseball only, <laughs> which is, you know, it, it's a good thing, you know, because I feel like our podcast, Beto, um, and 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 with Josh, it's 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 such a cool vibe. And everything I hear from different people is how much they love it, how much insight they get. And then I go and do a baseball podcast about one specific team. And then you you get to talk about guys, you get to talk about, you know, like, the mechanics part of it, the analytical part of it, the, the everything from like, you know, what's a pitcher thinking and, you know, stuff that we don't like to get into here for a reason I go and do over there and, and, and it's been fun. I mean, the, the host drew has been awesome and it's a, it's a good little vibe. I feel like we've, we've, we've meshed really good. We're four about three or four episodes in and uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully it just continues to grow and, as far as a media guy, I, I don't know. I, don't, I still don't consider. I still don't consider myself a media guy. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's cool. It's cool. Again, um, if I'm not on the field, uh, 
I, uh, if I, if what I get to do is talk baseball in front of a camera or a microphone, then I'm all for it. Yeah, man. Now you did a good job because when I was listening to Avery's podcast, uh, he talked about, you told the story how we started this podcast. So let's go Ricky Rowe, where we just went to Arizona three years ago, Airbnb. We had no idea what we were doing and let's just record some stuff. And obviously we continue to grow and progress and with the addition of Blue Wire helping us. And that's why when you listen to the podcast on iTunes, or Spotify, you hear the commercials. We have them, uh, which is pretty cool. So we continue to grow and evolve. And you're right. There's nothing like what we do. Now, your podcast with the Blue Jays spin rate, which is really good and detailed. But as a guy who doesn't live in Toronto or follow the Blue Jays, I got lost on some of the people you guys are talking about because I'm not watching it day to day, but it's good information. That's why I like what we do here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because we just tell the stories. And uh, last episode, when we had Dustin Garneau uh, talking about excuse me here, man, my voice is still messed up, talking about the catching and the evolution of what's going on. And I told you the story that um, I went to watch the uh, my high school, Carson against Banning softball game last week. Uh, you know, senior day, so our good friend Alomar, uh, his sister is uh, on the team. And I'm in the outfield, Rick, and some guy just comes up to me and starts talking about how Garneau and what he was talking about, the catching aspect. And he's like, I had my son listen to it. And I'm like, that was cool because – we don't really, we do the podcast, we put it out there, we promote it, and then you just never know where it goes. Because like I said, we have the people, our Blue Jays fans in uh, in the UK, we have people in Canada, people in Australia, and then to be in your own backyard and somebody comes up to you like, yeah, I was listening to it today and you guys taught me so much about the catching position. I'm like, wait, wait, Carno taught us because this is like crazy what he was talking about, the yeah. insight that we yeah. get. And uh, it was pretty cool just to hear and, that kind of stuff. And hopefully he... he- <clears throat> He lands on his feet again, man. Uh, it's tough being a backup catcher in the big leagues and uh, a guy who's been a journeyman. Um, he got designated for assignment yesterday. And you hope that uh, another team is looking for a veteran guy because he does bring that veteran presence to to a clubhouse and he's experienced. And you could tell how passionate he is about, <laughs> about, about the position. And I got to see him at Dodger Stadium. Um, I went to Friday Friday's game. Um, got to check out BP. Took uh, both the boys with me, and cool. they still don't appreciate. They still don't appreciate it, so it makes me want to <laughs> slap them across the head sometimes. But they're, they're like, three. "Daddy, what are we? <laughs> Daddy, what are we doing down here? Let's go home. Let's go sit in our seats. I want ice cream. I want popcorn. I want candy." And I'm like, "Bro, like, <coughs> look at this. Like, yeah." To me, Beto, every time, and and I've done it more than. A dozen times, you know, to to watch batting practice at, at Dodger Stadium. But to me, there's always a certain feel when you, when you're down there yeah. at that stadium. Yeah. You know, I I've been to plenty of stadiums in my life, and maybe it's because I never got to play there as a as a major leaguer. But it it always just brings a different feel. And you can say what you want about Dodger Stadium and the traffic; it does suck. The parking stinks. <laughs> where where the stadium sits, it stinks. Um, but when you're in there, man, oh man, it's just such a different feeling. There's, it's almost like you always get the most beautiful sunsets there, mm-hmm. and it, everything like the field looks flawless. Shout out to Chaton yeah. uh, and his crew for making it look beautiful. Um, I can't wait to see what it, what they come up with for the All Star game. You know how sometimes they do all these crazy, uh, crazy things at on center field or or in the infield i can't wait to see what they come up with because i'm sure it's going to look good but there's something about going there and and just watching a ball game and i know i got to see you for a little bit before i had to leave i mean i'm surprised the boys lasted four innings also credit (laughs) to them 
But uh, you saw you saw a little bit of the madness. It was like, let's go, let's go. It start like as soon as the sun went down, Diego was like, my second, my middle child, Diego. He was like, hey, daddy, it's dark. It's time to go to sleep. Let's go home like that just right away. And he was ready, dude. These guys were so tired. But, um, you know, the next day I got to sit him down and I was like, hey, man, like you guys need to yeah. understand how lucky you guys are and how awesome it is for me to share these moments. And Sebastian kind of gets it a little bit more, obviously. But uh, and he said he asked me why. And I said, because when I was your age, um, it meant the world to me to come here with my dad and sit in in, in the outfield. And you guys haven't yeah. experienced that. And I, and I feel like when they get a little older, I, I want to sit out in, in left field pavilion or right field pavilion with Sebastian, even though he might hate me for it. But he's going to nah. have to wear it for a, for a few games. You got to do it. And that, now <laughs> Dodger Stadium, the pavilion is a little different. It used to be uh, back in the day. You had to sit there and you couldn't go anywhere. So for people who've never been to Dodger Stadium, up until a few years ago, whatever section you were in, you had to stay there. So if you were in the mm -hmm. top deck, you couldn't go down to the reserve. Reserve couldn't go yeah. down low. Which now you can go anywhere you want. And it used to be the, the bleachers, if you were in left field, you had to stay in left field. You couldn't go in there because there was only one entry. And you couldn't. You would, it's like you're like on an island. So it's yeah. different. It's cool. But I get what you're saying because – you took your kids down there on the field, and it was great. You were able, able to have them for BP, and you're like, pay, appreciate this. You're like, well, the kid's <laughs> six and three years old. Like, they, they don't. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I – and you're right about Dodger Stadium. It's a different look. It's a different feel. I've done a lot of baseball games all over the country, and I've gone to a lot of fields, and you walk in as a reporter, and like, I, you know, I just played in high school. That was it. But you appreciate a stadium. To yeah. this day, anytime I step onto Dodger Stadium – you get that vibe, and I guess it's because we grew up here, Rick, because <clears throat> you walk yeah. there, and the first thing I always do, I always look up to the reserve section because yeah. when you walk in through the, the, the dugout, you there, you, you look up, and you're like, wow, like that's where I used to sit when I was a little kid, way yeah. up there, and uh, now I'm standing on the dirt, and there's many people who've never gone on the field. I mean, a Dodger Stadium for Friday Night Fireworks, the reason people stick around is because you get to go on the field. And uh, our friend Chateau will tell us that people for fire, Friday Night Fireworks, you see them pulling grass out of the outfield and they take that home with them. Or they'll get a little scoop of dirt and they take it home with them. Or they spread people's ashes. Or they ashes. drop uh, ashes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that through it because that's yeah. the specialness is for you. So, like, I know you, but you know what? You, you know what? Um, it, it's funny you say that, but I've, I, 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 Every time I like saw somebody from the nationally come to uh you know to our team or whatever, the first thing I would ask, how was it playing at Dodger Stadium? And no one ever has anything bad to say about it. They say it's one of the best playing surfaces in yeah. the big leagues. Like yeah. it's so flawless. Um, and I had my friend who left me BP passes, uh, Drew Hutchison, uh, pitches for the Tigers. He he, this is what he texted me. He said, Dodger Stadium, period, best place to pitch, ten times better than New York. And that's a guy that's pitching at Yankee Stadium, at Fenway, and yeah. all those places. He said, no doubt, like, it's it's the best. And, again, it's the vibe, I feel like, that uh, the fans create. Um, mm -hmm. Without the fans, obviously, there wouldn't be that vibe. And they're just so into the game. And the Dodgers, obviously, are really, really good this year. So it makes the vibe even even better. And, um, it, it, again, it's, uh, it's still, like... There's only one thing in my – I did a lot of awesome things in my career, but there's only one thing I ever wanted, and this was from the day I got to the big leagues. I look at the schedule every year just to see if we were coming. I wanted Vince Scully to call one of my games. That's all I ever wanted, and it just never happened. But, again, 
I had the the privilege to be able to pitch in the big leagues and do a lot of great things, but that was the one thing. And I think about it all the time when people ask me, like, what would have happened if you came and pitched here at Dodger Stadium? I was like, honestly, it probably would have been insane. Not not because the fans would have been rooting for me. I mean, not everyone knows who I am, but for my family, for my cousins, for my uncles, for you name it, like family members, like that, it would have been huge, man. I mean. To go from a, a kid who used to, like you, like you said, we used to buy those reserve tickets or those pavilion tickets for $6, I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be pitching on that mound would have been special. But again, it didn't happen. So yeah, all I can a, do is think about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you did like, you know, Anaheim was great. You had everybody there. And uh, yeah. like, our, Anaheim. Yeah, our good friend Cesar Ramos, <laughs> who pitched for uh, the Angels. And he was there and he was, it was cool. But then when he came to pitch for, I think, Tampa, when they were, they played the Dodgers, and his first thing he said was Vince Scully shouting out El, uh, El Monte, you know, like, you know, El Rancho, El Rancho, El Rancho. El, El Rancho. And he shouted out Pico Rivera, like just little details like that. So it's always cool. But yeah, so like seeing you a Friday night at Dodger Stadium, I got there, what, the third, fourth inning because of traffic. I got tickets last minute and. I'll, yeah, I'll go. And an hour and a half later, I, I finally got into the stadium. I saw your kids uh, with, with running out of batteries, and they took off. So it was good. It was good. It was it was fun to be there, just to be at the stadium and enjoy it. It, it. It's a lot of fun. So it just to be there. But back to what you were saying about your kids not appreciating it, because when they, my kids were little, we'd go to the games all the time. I would just buy. I'd buy like the cheapest ticket and just go. Um, and for the Dodgers, for the media, they have a media game, and what you're allowed to do is. Uh, you know, you go on the field and you play an actual game and like Mario Duncan would throw baseball and it was like a real big game. Our, our good friend, Adrian Garcia Marquez, would uh, put on the gear and he was catching. And I would like take my kids with me and they would just sit in the dugout. My daughter, Michaela, was like four or five at the time <clears throat> and was like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. <laughs> now she's 12 and I'm like, hey, look at this picture of you in the dugout. She's like, oh yeah. And I've heard her tell people that. Like, you know, I've been in the Dodgers field. I've been on the dugout. I've, I've been there. Like, <laughs> like, all, like, I'm like, you don't even like yeah. baseball, kid. But that moment that you have, and you'll have that picture forever. Like, I have a picture of Mattel standing in a home plate doing a home run pose. Like, those little details that at the time they don't remember. But for you, Rick, it's cool. I'm glad you're able to do that with your kids, man. Those yeah, no, I'm, me too. And and honestly, it's it's cool because, like you said, you're going you're gonna to see it. Uh, you're going to look back at the pictures. I have a lot of pictures of them, obviously, in Toronto um with me in uh you know i have pictures of diego as a baby sitting on the mound with with sebastian holding him and oh nice. um just just lots of pictures like that and then obviously a dodger stadium and uh i have a picture of 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 vladdy holding sebastian up at, at in anaheim just stuff like that because they're like you you ask them who their favorite player is and they just say vladdy and um and it's and it's it's just funny because uh uh as you saw my, I don't know if you saw my story yesterday. Uh, Sandy says she's she oh my sister Sandy she's the second oldest. Um, she's always trying to brainwash them into uh, uh, being Dodger fans, and she gets really mad. She's like, "Well, you guys don't live in Toronto," and, and I'm like, "Hey, like, chill." Uh, yeah, your sister's funny, man. Uh, your sister Sandy. Yeah, no. She's like, well, you know, they're they're a Mexican. I was like, Sandy, they're Canadian. These kids are Canadian. Leave them alone, bro. Leave them alone. So yeah, good stuff. But yeah, yeah, it was a good time at Dodger Stadium. We got to go. We got to do adventure. Um, I'm still trying to figure out a way to get to Toronto in July, Rick. I'm, <clears throat> I'm like looking because I'm gonna take my son back east to look at colleges, and I looked at it. It's not that expensive 
to fly from Boston to Toronto. I looked. It's like, what's going to give me? Isn't there a train? No, no. I don't know if there's a train. What's going to get me is the return flight from Toronto, L.A. Holy smokes. Um, That's yeah. going to get you. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, woof. That's, that's yeah, going to get me. There's two of them. Like, I only have so many American points, but uh, we'll figure it out. So, hopefully in July, I'm in, in Canada, and we get to see that kind of stuff. All right, anyways, um, what's going on here? Oh, here we go. All right, so we move forward. As we continue to progress, uh, you mentioned the stories of what we do and everything else, and we have fun with it. Did you see uh, what happened with the umpires yesterday? I know it's, 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 a, it's a topic. We don't want to beat up on it, but this happened yesterday. One of the umpires. No, um, I didn't see it. Okay, so a couple episodes ago, we really got into the story about umpires, uh, and then people liked it. And I, I guess Joe West is coming out with his own uh, podcast, so maybe we could Joe West. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> umpire, Chris Fairchild, uh, yesterday made a mistake during the top of the fifth inning, a game between the Mets and Braves. He appeared to strike out Dansby Swanson. Uh, there was only one problem. Fairchild called the pitch a ball. So everybody thought it was a strike. He called it a ball. Um, the reaction in between innings, Fairchild apologized to the pitcher. Um, he owned uh, in oh, what, what, the Mets and was the Was it Chris Bassett? Yeah, yeah. yeah Chris I did Bassett. see that actually. Yeah. Um, before I give my opinion, I want to hear your opinion on this. You I like it. Okay. There's nothing wrong with it, man. I mean, I've had umpires apologize to me too and say, hey, man, like my bad. I've mentioned this in the uh, in past episodes. It's it's it. These guys are human. Again, they're trying to do their work to the best of their abilities. And yes, they have their bad days. But again, again, we saw we see the report cards. Me and you have been changing yeah. exchanging uh, tweets about it, and it's like the people out there are so quick to report the or tweet about the bad umpires or the bad games but dude you it, you'd you be amazed how many you see you know 98s 99 100s even ni- 95 and above but nobody mentions that and as soon as an umpire fucks up it's like oh like oh this is why we need roboamps this is why we need roboamps and and it's like no nah, man if if an umpire messed up and you go up to him and ask him politely and you're not showing him up he'll he'll be most sometimes like like we saw last night with chris bassett he said, hey, my bad. You know, I missed it. And no big deal. Like, you you move on. You Hey, you tip your hat off to that. And again, like, just, you know, don't let it fucking happen again. <laughs> no, yeah. but seriously, like, like it, it's one of those things where, yeah, it, it's going to happen, man. And 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 it's just, it's the na- nature of the game. And like Dustin Garneau said, like, or like we talked about, like, our, we were always taught to move on to the next pitch, mm-hmm. next pitch, next mm-hmm. pitch. And, and you know what, it, it shouldn't affect you. And if you let it affect you, then this is why sometimes this game can bite you in the ass. But if you're you're mentally strong and you're really working the process, the mental process, um, which is another topic for another day, um, then you shouldn't let it affect you. And uh, again, this is this is that's that's just my thoughts on it. I, I, I never okay. let one pitch affect the the outcome of how I was going to attack a hitter. And that's where I kind of want to lead to with this. All right, so you would see, if you look at the video, SNY posted it, where Bass is walking off the mound and Fairchild looks at him and he kind of just taps his chest like, you know, my bad, I got it. Yeah, I messed up. And Bassett just kind of nods his head and they move forward. And 
<clears throat> and it's real quick for everybody to judge and say, oh, this, this, and that. Like, it, it's hard <clears throat> doing that job. But I was just curious, you as a pitcher, how you would do that. And the reason I really yeah. wanted to get into that and see, you, you led me to it, is the mental side. Um, you've talked a lot about Ken Revisa, the late Ken Revisa, who was a sports psychologist with you at Cal State Fullerton. Um, and with my son, Mateo, I, in our group chat, I'm always asking our good friend, Alex Sanabia, hey, what books do you have um, for my son? Because you know, my son is a basketball player, but he's not a star basketball player. He's a grinder. And he's really into the sports psychology of it, which kids 16, 17 years old, I'm like, this is fascinating. I mean, I've always been the one to like send him like the quotes about stuff or like Tim Grover who trained uh, Kobe and, uh, and Matt, uh, Michael Jordan great stuff like that. But, it, and, uh, you know, Justin Sewell, who's now the mental skills coach for the Tampa Bay Rays. I've been trying to get with Justin and schedules don't quite help out. Um, he has his own podcast also, but the mental side is what I want to get with you, Rick. Pitching wise, how do you take what a Ken Revisa taught you and actually implement it on the mound? Because in baseball, you're the only guy with the ball. Like, how do you transfer I mean, it? <clears throat> it took a lot of work. It really did, man. I mean, we started working with Ken in not my freshman year, my sophomore year, and we were off to a bad, bad start that year. And uh, and they brought him in. And when I first, when he first started talking, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" You know, I was like, "What is this?" And I was like, "We don't even know. Like, what is this?" Like, I had never even learned about taking a deep breath and slowing the game down finding a focal point, um, you know, next pitch. That was our, like, model that year when we won the national championship. Next pitch, next pitch. You know what? Let's not think ahead. You know, let's stay in the moment, stay in the present. That was his big thing. And he didn't have, like, a secret recipe or anything. He just kind of brought you back down to earth. You know, if you went 3 for 3 or if you went 0 for 3. Like, he wasn't – we used to call it – He was, or he used to call it, don't be a whore to the results. You know, the, hmm. because if everything's going well and uh, you're not sticking, if you're not sticking to the process, but everything's going well, the game's going to come and bite you in the ass at one point. And and one of the things Coach Horton used to say all the time was like, don't be a whore to the results. Don't let uh, the scoreboard at the end will let you know how if, if you work the process or not. And and hmm. and that's and that's why I, I say it, you know, sometimes and even you might not win a game, but if you did the right things then to them that was that was a win you know and 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 once we kind of bought in as a team at Cal State Fullerton with that it was like night and day like we were able to slow it down like for me it was like I was always so like you know go 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 and at times I needed to kind of step off the mound and and rub the ball take a deep breath and then if if uh if an umpire screwed me, it was like, all right, next pitch. What am I going to do? I'm going to be pissed, whether it's grabbing the rosin, slamming it down. Okay, next pitch. As soon as his whole thing was like, as soon as you get on that rubber, it's I'm here, I'm present, and I'm committed to this pitch. Because if you're not, then it, the whole process is messed up. And huh. and that's kind of the approach that we took, man. And I and I succeeded with that approach. And then in double A, I got my ass kicked. And who do I call? I call Ken. And the, I remember, and I miss him, man. I wish we could have him on this podcast. Yeah. Obviously, um, he passed away a few years ago. Like he was uh, a gem of a person. And uh, I remember I called him. I was in Double A in New Hampshire, struggling. I was like, "Any shit, man? I'm I'm like struggling really, really bad." 
And he wasn't a guy that was going to sympathize with you. He's like, the first thing that came out of his mouth was like, good. I'm glad. Good. You need to get your ass kicked. You need to get your ass kicked. You need to know what you're made out of. And I was like, whoa, whoa, Kenny, like shit, man. Like this is stressful. <laughs> like, good. Like, good. Like, what are you, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? And then he gave me the tools to be able, okay, well, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Are you doing this? Write this down, write that down. And, and that's kind of how I, I started believing in myself again. And then, um, obviously, and, uh, you know, through the, through, through my debut, it was like a lot of it was him and being able to slow it down. And then, you know, obviously have three, three and a half good seasons. And then that last half season was really bad. And as much as he tried to help me right there, it was like, it was such a mental grind for me in 2012 and then 13 and dealing with injuries. And once you're dealing with injuries and stuff like that, it's, it makes it really, really tough, but yeah, man, he, that, that mental part of the game is, is, is something else. And, um, and, you know, I, I texted you guys this morning, um, about, uh, about listening to the, all the smoke Shaheen Holloway podcast. And, and he, he talks a lot about that. And, and it, I was pretty impressed, man. I mean, the guy took a small ass school in the NCAA tournament and, and, and freaking made them like not only a Cinderella team, but like mm-hmm. everyone, everyone in the country was rooting for them. And, but he like talks about, he's like, give me the, give me the, the, the two, three star recruit. And I'm going to turn them into a five-star recruit because I'm going to make them mentally stronger and, and I'm going to make them this and I'm going to make them that. And, yeah. and give me the guy that has the dog in him. I don't want the kid that's getting paid, you know, 10, 20,000 to get flown across the country uh, and, and think that that's it. Like, I don't have no drive. And, and, and yeah. I was like, man, this is so true, man. Like, you know, like, don't like, I guess the, the bottom line is don't get so caught up on the results nowadays. Like who cares if you don't win a tournament, who cares if you don't go three for three, who cares if you don't throw a shutout. Um, and, and, and that type, like it's, it's, it's the development and you want to see these guys succeed. And, and, and Kenny wanted to see us succeed, but he was going to do it in a way that he wanted to see us fail fail and if he saw us fail from the failure is what you develop yeah yeah the growth and and dude i'm telling you we were like four 15 and 16 at cal state fullerton and then we we won and win a national championship and you saw he used to carry a toilet and and where you would flush a bad inning or flush a, a bad at bat and you saw guys in the dugout in omaha flushing the toilet like when they'd have a bad at bat like to forget it his whole his whole thing was like don't flush it just to flush it. Flush it whenever you're ready to let it go. Don't take uh, the uh, don't take this out on defense. Yep, that's his book right that's there. That's the Heads book right baseball. there that I'm showing. It's called Heads Up Baseball. Ken Revisa, yeah. Tom Hansen, forward by Hank Aaron and Jim Abbott. Playing the game one pitch at a time. So if you want to check it out, Heads Up Baseball. It's still available on Amazon. You can find that yeah. right now. Um, yeah, that was like our that was like our Bible in, in in college. And you know, we went back to that book anytime we were feeling shitty about our game and and stuff like that and uh yeah it was uh it was cool man it was uh it it, it was right, now my question to- is for you rick you're see this was the early 2000s when you were doing this so it was mm-hmm. it, not like now where everybody's posting their motivational quote every single day like i tell my kid like don't be that kid who's posting the grinding the working out uh <laughs> motivational quote but you're playing uh, video games, you know. You're not doing everything. Like, don't be that guy. Um, also, don't be the don't be the kid that 
is talking about the grind because the grind is not about just going out there and putting in the work. Yeah. It's it's the quality of work that you're putting in. If you're going to go out there and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm grinding. I'm going to shoot 50 free throws and just fuck around. Then that doesn't do anything, you know. But if you're putting yourself in game situations, and that was Kenny's big thing when we're throwing a bullpen to get us ready to get me ready for game one in Omaha against the, the number one team in the country in University of Miami that had Ryan Braun, John Jay, had a bunch of studs. He said, he said, uh, <laughs> and this is back in the day, and we're talking, you know, almost 20 years ago. Uh, he, he'd have a little recorder and he'd have the crowd. Um, and as I was throwing a bullpen, he was like, all right, here comes uh, John Jay leading off, uh, leadoff hitter. Here we go. Now batting John Jay. And then he'd put me in the game situations and he'd make me mentally throw the first inning of the game. That's what like set me apart, I feel like, from a lot of from a lot of pitchers in the country. I was ready when when I went into that game, I was I felt like I already had pitched five innings in my head. That huh. I was like, all right, now I just gotta go out there and execute. And we did. We beat them. I threw a complete game against them. And and they were like the untouchable Miami Hurricanes of the of the of the of the tournament. And um and so then Jason Windsor, obviously, who was unbelievable that tournament, and we wouldn't win a national championship without him. Um, we he does his thing, and then we lose the third game. And I remember it in Omaha, it's two-game elimination, and I'll never forget this meeting after we he sat us at the hotel lobby in Omaha and he talked to us because it had happened to us in 09, or I mean in uh 02, uh when uh we went two and oh and then um University of Stanford or Stanford University beat us two in a row and eliminated us. And we were the best team, I think, in that tournament. Rice obviously ended up winning the, 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 the national championship and they were loaded, but we matched up well against them, but we just never made it. So it, it was almost like deja vu. It was happening again. And but that first year we didn't have Ken Revisa. So uh that second year he 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 like talk, 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 and he he we were all in full uniform still because obviously you don't shower, there's there's no clubhouse in in, in college baseball, you go back to your hotel room and, and shower. Um, and till we were ready to let go of that South Carolina game, it's when we were allowed to take off the uniform. So like you saw guys sitting there um, and and just thinking, 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 and it may, some guys take took five minutes, 10 minutes, other took 30 minutes. And when you took off your jersey, it was time to let go of the game. No more talking about it. It was on to the next game, which was uh, University of South Carolina again, because we had a uh, uh, we we ended up facing him again, but yeah, man, it was like there was so much stuff. There's so much stuff to the mental game. It's not just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a deep breath. No, man, it's it's working an actual process, and 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 it's pretty neat when you get to tap into that world and and actually you're you're successful. You're you're working the breath. You have a focal point. Um, Is that why you would look it, around it, on the mound? Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Like it looked I, like you were looking I, into the stands, but you were looking for something. Something, yeah. I always picked out usually uh, a, either a sign or a flagpole because every stadium has a flagpole, um, the little ball on top of the flagpole. Like, I, you know, any, anything, anything that I, I knew would bring me like a, a smile inside me or like whether it was a beer sign, like I'm like, Ooh, like, OK, you know, like whatever it was, man, like there was just always something that I would find. And uh, if shit hit the fan, that's what I would go to. Again, huh. it, it's not all about results. Um uh, and I, like I said, he, as he said it, that you can't be a hoard of the results every time and just be that witty, witty guy when everything's going well. And then that sad guy when everything's going bad, no, you need to be able to find that be even keel 
you know, the ups, downs, just stay, just continue to work the process and good things will happen. Yeah. And I, the reason I, I wanted to ask you about this, and I was actually just going to talk to you about this, having a conversation in general, is how did you, as a young college player who had never heard of any of this, open your mind to actually accepting it? Because it took me a while. That's, I mean, it's a little bit different now because there's so much access and information for yeah. kids. But even then, though, you still be, have to be open to it. Yeah. What advice would you have to, like, a parent whose kid is, like, say – 15, 16, and starting a struggle, and then they know that you know that something as simple as that could help them. Yeah, pick up heads up baseball. Honestly, it's an easy really? book to read. It really is. I mean, and I'm sure Ken Revisa would be proud of everything that the game, how the game has evolved. Because, like you mentioned, Beto, there's so many, there's so many uh, uh, sports psychologists out there. Every team carries one now, and it's so big in the sport of baseball. And again we're talking 20 years ago. It's not even that long ago that, that Ken was, uh, was in this world. And he has, he had done it for, he had the, the, the coolest thing was him dealing with, a he put a example of heart surgeons and how he would guide them through, through heart surgery. And he's like, these guys are dealing with life and death. Like, that's why when I talk to baseball players, it's like, Oh, come on, man. Like, come on. You're worried about a game. Like I I've dealt with heart surgeons and how they're going to perform surgery. And, and the routine they had, the routine that he would set these doctors in and, and just a deep breath and do it. It was, it was awesome listening to the story. The, the, the amount of stories that Ken Revisa had from working with heart surgeons, Olympians, and um, you name it, man, he, he did it all. And again, he was tapped into that world way before anybody was, I feel like. And um, the, uh, the book, this book, it, it, you don't have to read it in chapters. There's, there's, there's stuff that you could be like, oh, like this is where I need help, and it's got a chapter for that, and it's not a. I don't. I never read it from like first page to last page. It was like different things that I took from it um, that I would uh, that 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 I would apply to my game, and um, everyone's different. But yeah, man, I mean, it, it's the the again the 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 sports is not always about about winning on the field. It's about winning. On the, in the mind and and being able to to apply that into just even normal life and uh and i know that's what it did for me and that's what it continues to do for me i've been very outspoken about the mental side and the mental issues that i dealt with and you know from being really depressed in 2012 when shit hit the fan and and all that stuff and at that point it was so, only so much ken revisa can do for me but you know i was dealing with you know a hurt knees and Every, yeah, everything was just screwed up. But again, uh, Kenny was a big part of why I was so successful in my college career and then into my professional career. Yeah, I'm looking at the review. You can still buy it on Amazon right now. And one of the reviews, uh, one of the comments is from Hank Aaron, you know, <laughs> Hall of Famer who said, I learned how to focus. It wasn't something I was necessarily born with. Like, that's Hank mm -hmm. Aaron. <laughs> you know, like... Look at look at uh I mean I'm sure we get a um some Dodger fans who listen to this podcast but look at Justin Turner he's still he's still dude I every time I watch him on on TV he still he still to this day does that routine that Ken Revisa where he kind of stares at his bat he looks up and down and then he goes <sighs> takes a deep breath and then he gets in the box and um really that's and, from Revisa's full yeah. 
Dude, that was all our hitters, man. Our hitters had a, some kind of routine like that. Cesar Ramos, I mean, who pitched at Long Beach State, those guys, uh, Jared Weaver, all those guys had a routine because he used to work with Long Beach State too, and which was a, a little bit of a, it was kind of funny, you know, when uh, when when we would face off against each other because I know it was really really tough on him. He wanted to see both teams succeed. Um, but yeah, man, uh, uh, you mentioned those guys and uh, he would talk about the routines that to me that Caesar had because he knew we were good friends and, you know, just, yeah, man, it, it, it was cool. Uh, again, it was the, the, all that stuff was fascinating to me once yeah. I, I tapped into it and then I, and I accepted it like, oh, yeah, like this is what I need. This is what I need to do to apply to my game. And this is what's important to the game. Again, it's not all about results. It's not all about like wins and losses nah man if you went out there and you worked the process then you succeeded yeah it's a another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, uh, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm 43 and I start paying attention. You know, they'll always say as you get older, you start appreciating and things slow down. And, I, you know, you and I exchange the tweets that Tom House has. Tom House, uh, you know, who's in his 70s and always, is now talking about how Go play baseball. Have fun. You don't need to record everything. You don't need to win a championship ring every weekend at the age of eight. You know, like nobody cares who the best middle school kid is and just the process of what's going on. And there was the, the kid from the that kid, the grown man, 32-year-old who got called up by the Giants last week who was in the minor leagues for 10 years, over mm-hmm. 1,200 um, minor league games and finally made his debut at the age of 32. And I went back and did research on him. The kid or the, the man was an eighth round pick coming out of Dallas Baptist. Like eighth rounder, that means you, they're thinking something of you. It's not, yeah. hard, but they're thinking there's something in you. And to go and get to the major leagues 11 years later, like the mental aspect of what's going on, how many times did he get let go or tell, get people to tell you to quit? That's why it's fascinating what baseball guys go through. I've dealt with football guys. Cool. Basketball guys, whatever. But the mental anguish that baseball guys go through because there's so much downtime, that's what's fascinating to me right now. It, it, yeah, and it tells and it tells you it's not easy to make the big leagues. I don't give a shit who you are. It's not easy. <laughs> no. You know, everyone that's why I say like it's it sucks when you see kids who who are being pushed by their parents like at a young age and, and yeah. we've tapped into this before and it's just like He's not going to be a big leaguer overnight. It's just it's 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 not an easy world, you know. You ha- like like you mentioned, it, you have to have some mental toughness. It's not about results and and being the best player. It's it's about you know being able to talk to your kids and 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 talk to them about failures, explain to them failures, and explain why sometimes things don't work out, and and just that's just the way baseball is. And uh, I you know what um as I mentioned before with Sebastian, him getting called up to a higher division and him struggling and me having to explain to him, I enjoyed that conversation. Yeah. But the fact that he said, daddy, I'll be ready next season for it. That's all I needed to hear, you know? And, um, and it's, it's, it's making them understand, not making them feel like shit and say, Hey man, like, come on, like, 
do am I hard like like Josh has says, are we hard on our kids sometimes? Yeah, there's a little bit of tough love. Yeah, that's which is totally fine. But explain to them why you're doing certain things. Yeah. And and like we had a game this past weekend, and I was like, all right, Sebastian, I want you to be a little bit and more how old vocal. Is he? Like six. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, just be a little bit more vocal about where you, when when you're asking for the ball because you know there's so much screaming like throw it to first, throw it to second. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, ask for the ball. Just raise your hands and say right here, right here to whatever the kid's name is, dude, he was doing it, getting the ball. And you can tell he was into that. It's like little tapping into their little brains and just saying like, do this and hey, scream it out loud, you know, scream as loud as you want, you know, for them, for him to throw the ball at you. And he was doing it, getting the ball. And again, it, when you're Fun. able to do stuff like that, it's, it's, it's cool, man. And you see the development and every year it gets better. And again, the, the whole, uh, this whole, like, Little league world, it's it's crazy. I mean, I had a friend, you'll you'll laugh at this. I had a friend tell me this is the next division, the division that Sebastian didn't want to play in because obviously he struggled a bit. And again, he belongs in the division that he's in now. Um, but it was just a test. But he was saying that uh this other coach that they were my friend, my neighbor, said uh they were playing a team and it was going for them, they weren't they were losing. And they kind of started catching up a little bit, putting a little bit of pressure on that team. And that coach complained to the umpire that uh, the opposing coach had a, a two or three year old in a dugout and that that wasn't allowed. So they made the, the, the coaches like I, the mom's not here. Like, I got to watch him. He's not doing anything. He's just sitting in the dugout. So they made him. So he said, in principle, he, he he's like, I took out he took out his kid and had to go watch his kid, his his baby on the sideline because the other coach didn't want him to do that. So then not only that, they put the opposing, the, they put the coach who complained to coach third base of this team. And he kept stopping all the kids at third base. So they wouldn't score on his team. And the third thing was, uh, what he say? He's like, yeah, man. So then we're making a comeback. It's eight, six bases loaded last inning. And then he complained that, that to the umpire, Hey, uh, you need to stop the game because we've ran out of time. And then the game ended eight six, and I'm like, oh my god, man! Like he's this coach is lucky I wasn't there coaching, um, because uh, you know that's the type <laughs> of stuff. I'm not, I'm not like obviously I'm not saying like into violence or anything like that. Yeah, but yeah. Come on, man! Like what, 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 are, what are we doing? Uh, like is 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 that win really gonna affect you? Is it not gonna let you sleep? Is it gonna let you sleep better at it night? Happened, Rick, it happened. I've told you it's gonna get <laughs> it's gonna get worse as you get older. I just told uh, you, the car. I was like, there's there's no way I can let anybody. Uh, um, I'm like you said, I'm seeing it now, and I'm like, you know what? It makes me want to coach, like <laughs> like be the, the the head coach. Like right now, I just I'm the assistant and yeah. and, and stuff like that, but. As Sebastian starts moving on up, I feel like I want to be a little bit more hands-on and, and yeah, have a little bit more that. of a say yeah. about what. Like I, I like when I saw your son Sebastian Dodge game, when I tell him, like, Sebastian, you had a game? He's like, Yeah. I was like, what kind of snacks did we get? Oh, he told me all the snacks. What was happening? Yeah. I'm like, that's what matters, Sebastian. Yeah, but yeah, Rick. Yeah. Like when I told you that there's six U travel teams, you didn't believe me. It's out there. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh but anyway, that's not our rant right there. It was good. I just wanted to get caught up in this and like the the, the mind games of what goes on is fascinating to me. And uh, just give a little shout out to Kim Revisa. So the book again, uh, yeah. if you want to see it, it's on Amazon. I just looked at it. Heads up baseball, Kim Revisa, Tom Hanson. So if you have a young baseball player or if you're a coach in high school, this is good. It's uh, especially for the kids to go and figure out on their own. Like the mental side is so damn hard. And um, 
I had a I, I had to explain to somebody last week that when you get drafted, you don't go to the major leagues right away. Uh, a friend of mine, <laughs> because this person doesn't know baseball, we I think because we're in baseball, we know how the system works, but the majority of the people don't. And a friend of mine said that their cousin or somebody that they know has a kid who's a potential uh, first round pick. And they're like, that's good, right? So he's going to, whoever gets picked on, that's where he's going to play. I'm like, no, he's going to go to Auburn, New York, or, you know, uh, Sarasota, Florida, Dunedin, they're like, or a complex. They're like, well, why would, if they're going to give him millions, why would he go to these lower leagues? I'm like, because he's 18. Like, they don't know. I'm like, hey, yeah, they, people don't know that. Can you imagine, though, like being an 18 year old kid in the big leagues? Like, how mentally tough that would be. Andrew Jones, who was what, 19? A-Rod, 19? Freaks. They're yeah. freaks. It doesn't happen very often. And, and um, No. But, but Crazy. yeah, it's, it, again, it's not, it's not something that's, that's easy. It, there's so much development that happens that you don't know at the college level. At, shit, at the, at the high school level, you know, to go to pro ball. I mean, there's Josh Beckett. You know, yeah. that's an exception. That, again, it happens. Um, but if it was that easy... Every first rounder would go straight to the big leagues. And I feel like the the road to the big leagues now for college players is a little bit quicker for some. You know, you, you're seeing more young, younger yeah. and younger guys get called up. And it's like the like Alec Manoa, you know, um, he he was in the minors. I don't think he ever played above short season, I want to say. Um, and uh and yeah, he he got put it together. Uh, obviously COVID was a little for him was a little bit different, but he's a guy that, yeah, maybe spent a, a a year in the minors and then boom he's thrown in the fire and he's succeeding but again there's there, there's exceptions but yeah there's there's a lot of stuff to learn and when you get there and you see the kind of arms there is first of all the those those latino kids who are throwing 95 100 you know and and have no idea where it's going but they have a great arm and you, they have to teach them like how to harness their stuff believe in their stuff and you're trying to hit or you're trying to do it there's a lot of you're like you start looking around. You're like, oh my god, that guy's better than me. Oh my god, like all that mental oh. part of it. It's like, yeah, like oh. for me, I was like, damn, like they drafted another left-handed pitcher. Shit, they might not, they must not believe in me. You know, like stuff like that creeps in. And but at the end of the day, if you stick to your plan and stick to yourself yep. and you're confident in your abilities, then you'll succeed. Yeah, and if you're new to the podcast, go back to one of the original episodes. I think it was episode four or five. Travis Snyder, uh, who recently retired, yeah. was in the major leagues at twenty. And then just talked about yeah. the struggle of trying to stay in the major leagues. And it just, mm -hmm. it's all fascinating. That's why I love talking uh, baseball with you, Rick. And I love uh, this different perspective. Uh, <laughs> it is. Um, it is. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool, man. Uh, yeah. I don't think we've ever talked about the mental side like oh. this, but I wish Josh was here. And because I feel I, I, I'd be curious to see how, like what he has to say. Obviously he's seeing it from a different standpoint in his experience, right. but yeah, man, I mean, Ken Revisa was one of the greatest things to happen to Cal State Fullerton baseball in 2004 when we won the national championship and, and, and in 2005 and for myself in my career. And um, he was easy to get a hold of. I, I actually went to his house more than a couple of times and just would sit there and shoot the shit with him. And yeah, man, it was cool. Like uh, he's just, yeah. I mean, obviously the game misses him, but uh, I feel like he's probably up there. Uh, chilling and, and 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 talking baseball like like he loved to do and um i know he was a big big uh fan of the sport and again the 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 mental side is something that's so fascinating and and we see it a lot now and 
uh, I just I, I, I'd like to sit in and on, on a big league team and see what's being talked about and how it's being taught. Because I know when I went to the Giants, they had a guy. Um, his name was Darren. Um, and he was awesome. And it, it almost like it's almost like I was listening to Ken Revisa and he was really? a huge fan. Like it's it's crazy. The influence that he had, like he was like, oh, like you'd mentioned. Oh, I work with Ken Revisa. They're like, what? Like, how was that? Like, it was like the greatest thing ever, you know? And I'm like, yeah, man, like I talk to him all the time. Like, what's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> but to these guys, these sports psychologists, that was like the, the godfather, like the, the godfather of it all, you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's cool. It's cool. It's good that baseball is uh is 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 taking that step and i know it's been more than a few years now that that they have i know the blue jays have a a guy who played actually at cal poly san luis obispo jimmy van ostron who went into that world um and and he's in the dugout with the team and he's their kind of their their mental guy i mean a guy i want to get on this on this podcast Bethel. honestly uh daniel bard he was a freaking sports psychologist with the arizona diamondbacks daniel bard yeah, dude, re, re, look Wait, it up. So he, so he was with the Boston Red Sox when I was in the, we were oh, in the pitcher. Big pitcher. Yeah, and he was on my USA team. And by the way, one of the most explosive arms I've ever seen in person okay. playing catch. He threw like a hundred at a, a University of North Carolina. He played. He played for Team USA. He was on the same team as I was, and went to uh, Boston. Succeeded. Did really, really well. And then he he got like the mental part of it, like fucked them up. Like they turned him into a starter. He couldn't throw strikes. He tro- struggles throwing strikes. He bounced around different teams. His velocity. Wait, dropped. wait, wait. Is this the guy who retired? Retired. And he's the back. Um, and retired, uh, went back to school to get his degree and or something like that. What? And, uh, and he was the sports. He's a mental coach for the Arizona diamondbacks. And I think they said he was either playing catch or started feeling good and said, you know what? I think I got it back, and then he uh, he did get it back, and now he's closing for the Colorado Rockies, dude. That guy, he, yeah, he was like the comeback player of the year a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, him. He was a mental, it's amazing. He was a mental yeah. skills coach. Look, look it up. Look it up. I mean, oh, I, yeah, I'll, I'll look mean, into it. Yeah, I'll look. But into yeah, it. man. I mean, we fo- we follow each other on Instagram, and we we've messaged a few times. But yeah, that's a guy that I would. What a story! Like, first of all, this guy was like the what was he? Him and Andrew Miller were the one-two punch at University of South Carolina, uh, University of North Carolina with the Tar Heels, and they were like high draft picks. And yeah, he was mental coach at the Arizona with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He was out of baseball, signed by the Diamondbacks as a franchise player mentor. The, like yeah, or something. And helping out like with the mental skills side. And then he just threw for scouts two years later and he got signed. I didn't know that. Wow, that's crazy. Dude, you, you see him on TV now. He's like throwing 98, 99, man. Crazy. It's like the it's like the he's, old Daniel Bard that I saw in college. He's 36 years old. Okay. Yeah. Uh yeah, he played at Georgia Tech. No, uh North Carolina. Oh, his brother Luke Georgia Tech. I'm sorry. All right, yeah, that, that, dude, I love to have somebody like that on. That'd be great. Uh, well, yeah, I gotta read into that. I thought he was like a guy who got, you know, when you hear comeback player of the year, somebody who got hurt. I thought he was like a Tommy John guy. Holy smokes, he was out of the game. Out of the game. Baseball. <laughs> Baseball's yeah. great. Come on, Ricardo, you got some bullets left in the arm. Man. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, so yeah, you mentioned Josh Tully was not here. Uh, no show next week. I have to work next Tuesday. I got a fight coming up, Sulu Ramirez. Uh, so next Tuesday, I got to do a bunch of stuff. So no show next week. So enjoy yourself. Uh, well, we did find Tully. He's on the side of the road somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Those are great, dude. <laughs> Mikey V. Mikey V. Always finds a way to have Tolly involved on the show, so we'll get him going. Uh, we get, uh, as always, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And I can't wait to send that to Tolly, and he'll respond to us in three days from now. Uh, but, yeah, uh, a good podcast. Again, the book Ken Revisa. Uh, we'll check it out. Uh, Mikey V, thank you for watching. ELC uh, brings up Kato was nine years in the minors, of course. I love you in the hat. This is the Vancouver Canadians hat. There yeah, we- that's right. Yeah, yeah. Ghost Kato. Yeah, for from the from Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, nine years in the big leagues or nine years in the minors, and then just made his debut recently and got his base first base hit. Uh, I want to say three, two, three days ago, four days ago, and yeah, man. I mean, it's cool when you see stories like that. Again, it, it's the mental grind that these guys had to go through. The, the physical part, they can do it. You know, they can go out there and play with the best. That's there's no doubt about that. And when you st- stick at that le- at the double a triple a level you can do it it's the mental part of it and uh you're when whenever you see stories like that i know for you and i bet though you see stories like that it, it, it's yeah. like it's cool man it, it's 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 what it's all about i mean again i don't want to keep rambling on but that kid or not even kid that man for the los angeles lakers how many how many years did he spend in the g oh, andre ingram yeah yeah i mean and then he oh, yeah. became a sensation you know it like in la for a few it probably made his whole life you yeah. know and uh the for mental grind to be able to go to go through that and then put on a and he's back in the uniform. back in the G League still doing it. Uh, I still, thought, <clears throat> yeah, still shooting, still shoot. Wow. All he can do is shoot threes. Like that's what he does. Um, wow, that's cool. Yeah. All right, so Rick, we'll talk to you next uh, in two weeks. We'll talk to you guys in two weeks. May uh, when is that? When is that? Uh, May seventeenth. We'll talk to you. We'll have a good show. Maybe we'll get you. Let's try to get Bard or one of these mental skill guys. I, I love the yeah. story. And and I'll work on Joe West. Uh, oh, actually, this, right. I want to give a shout out to the person who sent me that DM. Uh, and as always, thanks to all the people who got the stickers and showing and everything else. Uh, this person's name is oh, uh, just me. Uh, yeah, just me ELC. Oh, who's watching right now? Oh, man, there's your shout out. Just me ELC. Uh, Joe West has a podcast coming out. Uh, I know he would love to come on. Let's go, Ricky Rowe. <laughs> like, yeah. He's available to be a guest. So just E, uh, we'll have totally facilitate that one with Joe, with Joe West. We'll figure things out. All right. As always, great review. Subscribe. Appreciate you guys listening. Another edition of Let's Go Ricky Roll Podcast. Adios. Peace.